football gossip with Samyam. Hello everyone, I hope you all are doing great. The wait is finally over. I am Samyam Katiora, your host for this brand new podcast, Football Gossip with Samyam, presented to you by Ubacast, and this is the first episode. Dear listeners, since the promo video of this podcast was published on YouTube around two weeks ago, and I also had the privilege to speak to y'all in Ubacast, I got so many supports, likes, and messages from all of you for the success of this podcast. I would like to thank each and every one of you for your great support. I have received so many nice comments about this podcast on social media from many of y'all. I will include some of them at the end of this podcast. And I also hope that you keep listening to this episode till the end and drop me some beautiful comments on the platform you have been listening it on. Well, since this is the first episode, I think it's a good idea to briefly introduce myself. As I mentioned earlier, my name is Samyam Katiora. I am 13 years old. I am a proud 8th grade student of International Leadership of Texas. My hobbies are to play soccer, watch soccer, read, and study new things. Okay, let's move on. I'm going through a quick overview of this show. As you all know, this podcast is all about football, so I will talk a lot about it. But mainly, I will cover the football analysis, upcoming games and events, and past games, big transfers throughout the clubs, the hottest and latest football news, world records that were broken, and so on. To cover the early stages of football, I am also having some segments in the show. The first segment will be the football history. In this segment, I will talk about the early stages of football, precursor of football, early clubs, competitions, and many more details. The next segment will be called the legend player. In this segment, I will talk about some of the true legends of football regarded as one of the best in their era but no longer active in their career. Also, to get y'all familiar with the terminology used in the footballing world, I will have a segment called Glossary and Terms. In this segment, I will talk about the words and phrases and signs and symbols used in football with their possible explanations and even examples. Even though I am a beginner, I know that without having listeners like you, I cannot go any further in podcasting. So I respect your time, views, comments, and thoughts about the podcast. Because of that, I will be dedicating a segment called Listener's Reviews. In this segment, I will read some randomly selected comments and reviews posted by you. Because of the time constraint, I cannot include all of the comments and reviews, but I will try my best to cover mostly everything. So these will be the permanent segments in the podcast, but before I move on to those, I would like to touch on the current football highlights. I will start off by telling y'all about one of the best midfielders in the footballing world called Paulo Dybala. Paulo Dybala has not been in the best form lately because he contacted COVID during the football shutdown. After that, he got injured as well a couple times and he has not been performing at his best. Because of that, he did not get selected 
to be on the Argentinian national squad, Argentina being his home country. So he will not get to participate in this week's Argentinian World Cup qualifiers. That will have a huge gap in the Argentinian squad. And Argentina do not have the best midfielders to cover his area. The next topic I would like to touch on is Arsenal getting beat 3-0 by Aston Villa. Arsenal are one of the best teams in all of Europe, but currently their form is not at the best level. Arsenal's lineup consisted of one of the deadliest attacking trios in the Premier League, with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, Alex Lacazette, and Willian. Those three were expected to score tons of goals against Aston Villa, but Aston Villa completely demolished Arsenal. The final score being 3-0. The, the shots went in favor of Aston Villa 15-13 as well as the shots on target 6-2. The position was in favor of Arsenal with 59% as well as the passing by a big factor of around 200 passes. The pass accuracy was also in favor of Arsenal. Both teams did not have any yellow cards or red cards, which means they didn't play too aggressive, But and Arsenal are thought to be one of the most aggressive teams. Now I would like to touch on Real Madrid's big loss against Valencia in the weekend. Real Madrid are considerably the best team in the world, and they got really, really smashed by Valencia. The final score was 4-1 Valencia, with a hat-trick by Carlos Solar. The hat-trick consisted of only penalties and the other goal that Valencia scored was actually a own goal by one of Real Madrid's defenders, Rafael Varane. The only goal for Real Madrid came by Karim Benzema in the 23rd minute. In this game, Real Madrid were missing two of their key players, Casemiro and Eden Hazard, because they had contacted coronavirus before the game. That is why Real Madrid had to play some of their not-so-experienced players to fill their, the gaps, and that was one of the reasons they got hit very badly. If Real Madrid had gone to win this game, they would have been second in the La Liga table with a game in hand over first place Real Sociedad. The stats for this game went mostly in favor of Real Madrid. They had 16 so shots in total with six of them on target, compared to Valencia's Seven shots with four shots on target. The possession went in favor of Real Madrid with 65%, as well as the passing with 555 passes completed. This was honestly a really rough game, with the total amount of yellow cards for both, te both teams being five, and 14 fouls for Real Madrid and 13 fouls for Valencia. Real Madrid also had eight corners to try to score a goal, but they could not take any of those chances. Now I would like to touch on Alex Morgan's Spurs debut. Alex Morgan is one of United States women team's stars. She just had a baby, which means she couldn't play for a really long time. And she had her first appearance for Spurs after coming here in the summer. She did not start this game, but she came on in the 70th minute. This game was Spurs versus Reading, and the final score ended up being 1-1. Now I have some exciting news for football lovers and in particular Cristiano Ronaldo lovers. Cristiano Ronaldo and other footballers are on international duty with their international teams. 
Ronaldo did not start this game versus Anadora, but Portugal ended up winning 7-0, and Ronaldo did come on later off in the second half. He scored one goal in the 85th minute by a header. This game marked Ronaldo's 100th victory for Portugal, and he scored his 102nd goal for Portugal, and he's only around 10 goals away from being the world's top goal scorer for an international team. Okay, these were today's highlights. Now let's move on to our regular segment. The Football History In today's history section, I will be talking about the early history and precursors of football, and how the game of football takes its form. The first known examples of a team involved with a ball, was which made out of a rock, occurred in the old Mesoamerica culture for over 3,000 years ago. According to some sources, the ball would symbolize the sun and the captain of losing team would have to be sacrificed to the gods. The first known game, which was also involved in China in the 3rd and 2nd century BC under the name of Kuju. Kuju was playing with a round ball on an area of a square and it was later spread to Japan which was practiced in ceremonial forms. Other early varieties of the game was known in ancient Greece. The ball was made out of shreds of leather filled hair. In the ancient Rome, games with balls were not included in the entertainment on the big arenas, but would occur in the exercises in the military. It was the Roman culture that would bring the game of football to British. It is however uncertain in which degree the British people were influenced by the variety and which degree they had developed their own varieties. The game admitted stories tell that the game was developed in England in the 12th century. In this century, games that resembled football were played on meadows and roads in England, and besides from kicks, the game also involved punches of the ball with the fist. This early form of football was more rough and violent than mortar way of playing. An important feature of this forerunner to football was that the game involved plenty of people and took place over large areas and towns. An equivalent was played in Florence from the 16th century, where it was called Calcio. The rampage of these games would cause damage to the towns and sometimes even death. These would be among the reasons for the proclamations against the game that was finally forbidden for several centuries, but the football-like game would return in the streets of London in the 17th century. It would be forbidden again in the 1883, but in this state, the game had already been established in the public schools. It took, however, a long time until these features of today's football had been taken into practice. For a long time, there is no clear distinction between football and rugby. There were also many var variations concerning the size of the ball, the number of the players, and the length of a match. These games were often played in schools, and two of the predominant schools were rugby and Eton. At rugby, the rules included the possibility to take up the ball with the hands, and another game we know today as rugby has its origina originated from here. At Eton, on the other hand, the ball was played exclusively with the feet, and this game can be the close predecessor to the modern football game. The game in rugby was called the running game, while the great game in Eton was called the dribbling game. An attempt to create proper rules for this, for this game was done during a meeting in Cambridge around 1884, but a final solution to all of the questions of rules was not achieved, 
Another important event in the meeting of football came in about 1886 in London, when the first football association was formed in England. It was decided that carrying the ball with the hands wasn't allowed, and all of the other major rules of the game. This meeting also resulted in the standard, the knowing of the size and weight of the ball. A consequence of the London meeting was that the game was divided into two codes, association football and rugby. The game, however, would continue to develop for a very long time and is much, still much flexible considering the rules. Even in current day football, they are still changing rules, especially about things like handballs and offsides. For one thing, the number of players on the pitch could still vary. Neither was uniforms to distinguish the appearance of the team. It was also common with parent players wearing caps, and the header was yet to be a part of the game. Another important difference in this stage could be noticed between English and Scottish teams, whereas the English teams preferred to run forward with the ball in a more rugby-style fashion, while the Scottish preferred to pass between the players. But it would be the Scottish approach that soon became predominant. The sport, which at first was an entertainment to the British working class, unprecedented amounts of spectators, up to even 30,000, would be at big matches in the late 19th centuries. The game would soon be expanded by British people that would travel other parts of the world, especially in South America and India. There would be a big interest in the footballing community. This concludes the football history segment. Now let's move on to the next segment. The Legend Player Today's legendary player is Salvatore Silacci. I would like to express my gratitude towards Sirjana Upadhyaya, one of my listeners, who gave me this player, Salvatore Silacci. As she was growing up, she heard his name in the radio, and they were talking about him in the World Cup with Italy, his home country. And she realized that he was one of the best in, in his era. And so she wanted me to talk about Salvatore Silacci in my upcoming podcast. And to be honest, I didn't even know who Salvatore Silacci was before she told me about it. And I, I don't think many of y'all know, so this will be a learning moment for everyone. Dear Sujana Auntie, if you are listening to this podcast, I would like to thank you very much for giving me this player, Salvatore Silacci. So now let's talk about him a little bit. Salvatore Silacci was born on December the 1st, 1964 in Italy, commonly referred to his nickname by Toto, an Italian former footballer who played as a striker. During his club career, he played for Messina, Juventus Internazionale or Inter Milan, and Jubilo Itua. At international level, he was a surprise star of the 1990 FIFA World Cup as he helped Italy to finish on third place on home soil. Coming on in Italy's first game, Silacci went on to score six goals throughout the World Cup, claiming the golden boot as he was the leading goal scorer, and receiving the golden ball as the player of the tournament ahead of the established stars Lothar Mathias and even Diego Maradona, who came second and third. A champion Australian thoroughbred racehorse was named after him following his performance in the 1990 FIFA World Cup. That year, he also placed second in the 1990 Ballon d'Or behind Matthias. Now I am going to tell some of his greatest achievements. He is a three-time top goal scorer in the J1 league 
with 24 goals, World Cup 1990 with 6 goals, in the Serie B with 23 goals. He is a one-time Italian Cup winner with Juventus, and he is also a participant in the 1990 World Cup with Italy, as you all know, and he is a three-time Italian Cup winner with Juventus. He also has gotten a third place in the World Cup once, being the top goal scorer. This concludes our legendary player segment about Salvatore Silacci. You are listening to Football Gossip with Samyam, presented to you by Ubercast with Samyam Khatiwada. Now I will be talking about the biggest games that happened in the past few weeks. Let's start off with the Champions League game, Real Madrid versus Inter Milan. This game was one of the most highly anticipated games of the last Champions League match day. And it ended up being Real Madrid's victory, 3-2 against Inter Milan. This game was a fairly even game, with both teams having 12 shots, but Real Madrid having the edge in the shot on target with 7 compared to Inter Milan's 3 shots. Possession-wise, Real Madrid had 56% possession compared to Milan's 44% possession, and Real Madrid had around 100 more passes compared to Inter Milan with 583. The pass accuracy was pretty similar, with Real Madrid having 85% and Inter Milan having 81%. This game was actually pretty rough, because Inter Milan have are considered to be one of the roughest teams in Italy. So the, the Inter Milan forced 14 fouls against Real Madrid, and Real Madrid forced 13 fouls against Inter Milan. Real Madrid had f- 4 yellow cards, and Inter Milan had three yellow cards. Real Madrid won the battle of the corners, gaining six corners, and Inter Milan got two corners. The goal scorers for Real Madrid were Benzema, Sergio Ramos, and Rodrigo. Sergio Ramos actually scored his 100th goal for club and country in this game. He is one of the only defenders to ever score 100 goals. For Inter Milan, the goal scorers were Lautaro Martinez and Ivan Perisic. Now let's move on to one of the other biggest games that happened last week. And this game was Manchester City versus Liverpool. This is probably the most exciting fixture in all of the English Premier League and considerably the whole world. Manchester City were without some, one of their key players, Aguero, due to injury. The final score ended up being 1-1, to but one of the most key parts about this game was Kevin De Bruyne, one of Manchester City's players, missing a penalty in the first half. The stats of these teams were mostly t- leaning towards Liverpool, with by them having more shots with 10 compared to Manchester City's 7. They, they had 3 shots on target, with Manchester City having 2 shots. Possession-wise, it was pretty even, with 55% towards Manchester City and 45% towards Liverpool. The passes completed were 555 with Manchester City and 459 with Liverpool. Fouls-wise, Manchester City committed 19 fouls compared to Liverpool's 11 and Manchester City got three yellow cards to show for that, while Liverpool only got one. Liverpool also got five offsides in the game and Manchester City got two. Moving on to the next game, I will be talking about Everton versus Manchester United. I personally expected Everton to win this game because of their current form, and Manchester United had just lost 
in the previous week in the Champions League. So I thought they were going to lose this game, but that did not happen. Manchester United beat Everton 3-1 with all of their goals having some something to do with Bruno Fernandes. He, he scored two goals and he got made an assist for Edinson Cavani who scored his debut goal this game. The first goal did come for Everton though in the 19th minute scored by Bernard. Everton with, were without one of their key players, Richarlison, due to a red card in their game against Liverpool. Stats wise, Manchester United were mostly dominant with having 13 shots compared to Everton 7 and 5 shots on target while Everton only had 1 shot on target. That one shot on target actually was their goal. And possessions wise, Everton did edge out that with having 55% compared to Manchester United's 45%. Passes wise, Everton had 523 passes while Manchester United had 453 passes. Also, this game was very rough along with all of the other games with Manchester United committing 19 fouls and Everton committing 12 fouls. Everton did have four yellow cards, while Manchester United had two. Now let's move over to the Bundesliga, where one of the biggest matches in all of Germany happened last weekend. It was Borussia Dortmund versus Bayern Munich. This game was honestly pretty even, with the score being 2-3. to three. In the 80th minute, Leroy Sané scored his one of, one of a very good goal to, to wrap the game up. And stats-wise... Borussia Dortmund had 15 shots compared to Bayern Munich's 14, while they only had 5 goals on target compared to Bayern Munich's 7. Borussia Dortmund also edged out possession, having 51%, and they had more passes, 525, compared to Bayern Munich's 494 passes. Overall, this was a very intense and nail-biting game. This wraps up our latest and hottest games played in the recent days. Now let's begin our next segment. The Glossary and Terms So for for Glossary and Terms segment, I have two words in mind. Free agent and panenka. Free agent means a player leaves a team when their contract ends and the player's current team does not want or need the player so they don't renew his or her contract. The club doesn't get any money for return for the player. Usually teams are compensated with a transfer fee when a player leaves who is still under a contract. If the contract of the player ends and no other team wants to buy him or her, they become a free agent. Once a player is a free agent and any team can sign him or her and they will only have to pay their wages to bring them into their team. Our second term, Panenka, is a soft chipped penalty kick. Often the penalty taker acts like he or she is going to kick the ball hard but instead cleverly and courageously chips the ball straight into the net. This shot gets its name from Antoine Panenka who did it in a Euro Cup final. I personally think that one of the best Panenka takers in modern day football is Sergio Ramos. He does it so calmly and coolly and his run up is one of my favorites. Now I would like to briefly touch bases on the Nepali football sector. Nepal is ranked number 170 in the FIFA World Football Team Ranking System 
and Nepal have a few games coming up against Bangladesh. Nepal prepared to take on Bangladesh for two international friendly football matches in a few days. Nepal Sports Ferranti believes that the game will be of significant importance to the whole of the Nepali sporting world. Nepali sports have come to complete standstill from March since the country went into a nationwide lockdown. No domestic or international sports events have taken place since their leaving aside few virtual martial arts games. The matches will have significant importance for the Nepali foot sports fraternity and especially football because it will bring football back on the pitch, says Nepal's caretaker coach Bal Gopal Maharjan from Dhaka after the main team landed in Bangladesh on Thursday. Let's hope the Nepali national team can pull off a few wins against Bangladesh and bring back the victory to Nepal and let's hope the best for them. Now the podcast is almost over, so let's touch bases on our last segment of the day. The Listener's Reviews The Listener's Review is one of the most important segments to cover because it includes y'all's thoughts and comments about this podcast. Hopefully y'all will put more more comments onto the platform you have been listening to on and in social media. Let's begin. From Smita Upreti. So proud of you, Samyam Katyoda. Excellent presentation. Eagerly waiting to listen to your new podcast. Keep growing. Dashwet Upreti. Wow, 13 years of age and his knowledge, understanding, analytical power, and presentation is amazing. I know him as a very humble, smart, and intelligent boy. He has huge potential in this field. Samyam expressed it and move forward. My good wishes and support are always with you. Love and blessings. From Kanta Sharma. I am very proud of you, Samyam. I have learned a lot from your talk. Keep it up. From Jivan Khatiyoda. Proud of you, Choda. Keep it up. Pratiksha Khatiyoda. Keep up the good work, Samyam. Best of luck for your upcoming days. Asmita Upadati. Great job, Samyam. You sound like a football commentator with deep knowledge on the subject. May you always have the same immense passion for football. Lots of love, bye, and all the best for your future podcasts. Amit Bhatrai. Nicely done on the debut podcast. All the best, Babu. From Prabha Panti. Good presentation, Samyam Babu. Keep it up. From Susma Sapkota. Congratulations, Babu. Great presentation, both dad son. Keep up. Santa Devkota. Wonderful presentation, Samyam. All the best. Sandes Neopane. Good job, Samyam Katyoda. I enjoyed a lot, a lot. Good luck and keep us updated. Prasmit Devkota. Great job, Samyam Katyoda Babu. You are all, you are very articulate and hope to listen to you more in the future. Good luck. And finally, from Ayush Upadati. Hey, Samyam. I just listened to your podcast and absolutely loved it. I'm really looking forward to listening to your podcast in the future and wish you very best of luck. And once again, great job. Okay, so I am wrapping up today's show, and please allow me to ask you goodbye from this episode. But before I log off, I wanted to say that it has been super fun and good to be with y'all and see your love towards this podcast. Thank you very much, and have a great rest of your day. Goodbye.